This is the Lions Unchained podcast, where the shackles of your mind are broken. It's not for the faint-hearted, but the chosen few who've embraced the call to leadership, dare to venture where others will not, and believe in God's supernatural power. Join Carl Joseph now for a life-changing word. Get ready to be unleashed into your destiny. Friend, as you know, I just recently finished a four-part series of broadcasts on the pre-tribulation rapture of the church. As a follow-up to that series of messages, I wanted to address what Jesus said about the end times specifically. Now, Jesus spoke about the end times or last days in all three synoptic gospels entitled the Olivet Discourse in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24, Luke's Gospel, chapter 21, and finally Mark's Gospel, chapter 13. This was the last prophetic utterance Jesus made as a prophet because right after this he went into a transitional period from prophet to priest as he offered himself up as the ultimate sacrifice by pouring out his precious blood in his redemptive act for all humanity. So while he was on this earth, right up to the Olivet Discourse, as it's called, he was a prophet, but currently in heaven he's our high priest, whoever makes intercession for us, and finally he will soon be our returning king, setting up his reign for 1,000 years. You know, some people don't particularly care for prophecy, and some pastors don't even bother to preach about it. But Christ's return is spoken in 23 out of 27 books in the New Testament. So clearly it's a topic we cannot ignore, and to do so would be disobedient to the Lord and His Holy Word. Friend, Christ is returning soon, and He's coming in two phases. He will return once for the church in the rapture, and later He'll return with His church to the earth at the end of the tribulation period, better known as His second coming. Now there are 109 prophecies recorded in the Old Testament concerning Jesus' first coming, and they were all fulfilled to the letter. But get this, friend, there are 329 prophecies about his second coming throughout the entire Bible. Jesus' second coming is spoken about almost exactly three times as much as his first coming, so it's clearly a very important topic for us to study. Friend, because I'm unable in our short time together to read from all three Gospels, I will read solely from the book of Matthew, as these chapters of the Olivet Discourse pretty much run in parallel with each other. By far and away, Matthew's account contains the most detail, having 400 words more than either Luke 21 or Mark 13. Now what's surprising is that many people look for the rapture of the church in the Olivet Discourse, but friend, you won't find it. Remember, the church wasn't founded until the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 in the upper room in Jerusalem. Neither the church nor the rapture are found in these chapters about the end times that Jesus spoke, because the church was not founded until after this message was delivered to Israel, following their rejection of Christ as Messiah. However, I do believe we'll see the first nine verses of this passage in the run-up to the rapture, and in these nine verses, Jesus describes events that have been witnessed already within the church age. Remember, the only reference Jesus made to the rapture is in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 4, as I said before, when Jesus said he would go and prepare a place for us and come again and receive us unto himself. That coming, friend, is the rapture of the church. 
So when Jesus sat upon the Mount of Olives and viewed Herod's temple with his disciples, his discourse was in response to three questions that the disciples asked him. We must remember the context of Christ's answers to these questions are Daniel chapter 9 and Jeremiah chapter 30, because in these chapters we learn of what must occur before Christ's return in his second coming, not the rapture. Now these questions are, number one, when shall these things be? Number two, what is the sign of your coming? And finally, what is the sign of the end of the age? So let me read Matthew 24 for you now, and I will interject my thoughts between various verses. Verse 1 of Matthew 24, And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him, for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Friend, this came as a massive shock to the disciples. Remember, the disciples wanted Jesus to set up his earthly kingdom and conquer the Romans. But sure enough, the nation of Israel rejected Christ as Messiah, and their beloved temple would later be destroyed by the Romans in 70 AD, and Jerusalem would be ransacked by Titus, the Roman emperor, killing 1.1 million Jews in this terrible siege and slaughter. The victorious Roman legions then carried many of the temple's treasures back to Rome, and some speculate they remain there to this day, concealed behind the walls of the Vatican. Now because some gold from the instruments and ornaments melted in the fire of the temple, the Roman soldiers pried this gold from between the cracks of stone paving, leaving not one stone left upon another. Therefore Jesus' words came to pass literally in this terrible siege verse 3. And he sat upon the Mount of Olives. The disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of your coming, and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and shall deceive many. Friend, no Christian in their right mind, having the Holy Spirit indwelling within them, is going to accept a false Christ, or be deceived into worshipping them. That's why this warning of deception is for Israel, not the church. The Jews are looking earnestly for the Messiah today, and some rabbis have even announced Donald Trump as their Messiah, so you can see how easily they could be deceived in this regard. Verse 6, And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you not be troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in divers places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. The word for nation here is ethnos in the Greek. It's a hostility of people groups or ethnicities. No doubt, friend, we in the church age have already witnessed all of these events described by Jesus in verses 6 through 8. World Wars 1 and 2 killed approximately 80 million people. Friend, in Oklahoma alone, they've received an increase in earthquakes by 4,000% in the last eight years and increasing worldwide. Jesus describes these as only the beginning of sorrows before the world would enter the tribulation period. From this point forward, after verse 9, Jesus is talking specifically to Israel and the unsaved about the tribulation period, better known as the day of the Lord. Verse 9, Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all the nations for my sake. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure to the end shall be saved. 
And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then the end shall come. Friend, only those who endure to the end of the tribulation can be saved, and clearly the persecution of Israel will be unprecedented during this time. Verse 15. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, whosoever reads this, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house, neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. Friend, the Antichrist will desecrate the third temple, which is soon to be built within the tribulation period. This event signifies the second half of the tribulation period, in which the Antichrist will declare himself to be Almighty God. He will then have his false prophet set up his image in the temple and commit the abomination of desolation. This is spoken of in Daniel chapter 11, verse 31. This is something the Jews are well aware of, and so would the disciples be at that time. It's believed that Petra in Jordan will be the place they run to for solitude in their darkest hour. Verse 19, And woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For then shall there be great tribulation, such as not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved, but for the elect's sake those days shall be shortened. Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. Many scholars believe the great tribulation is spoken of here in the latter half of the seven-year period, or three and a half years of duration. The vile or bold judgments within this period are the most severe of all. Verse 24. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that, if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. For as the lightning cometh out of the east, and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. Friend, there is a supernatural outpouring of evil in the tribulation period that enables the Antichrist and false prophet to perform seemingly miraculous deceptions on the masses under their spell. This time period is rife with deception. In verse 27, it describes his second coming as lightning for the entire world to see, in sharp contrast to us church members who are going to be caught up in the air at his first coming, better known as the rapture. Verse 29, Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with a sound of a great trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Now learn a parable of the fig tree, when his branch is yet tender, and putteth forth leaves, you know the summer is near. So likewise ye, when you shall hear all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass, till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. 
the generation, friend, that sees the beginning of these tribulation sorrows will be the same generation that sees the end of it as it's going to last seven years based on Daniel's 70th week in Daniel 9:27. The Antichrist will make a peace treaty with Israel as Israel becomes increasingly motivated for peace and safety during this time period. Verse 36, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving into marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, the one shall be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. Now some people wrongly surmise this concept of being taken from the field and the other left concerns the rapture of the church, but this is not so, since we are talking about the nation of Israel still within the tribulation period. Jesus uses Noah's flood as an illustration for the end of the age when he returns at his second coming. So those that were taken away by Noah's flood were not taken away to glory, but taken in judgment and destroyed. So in this instance, the one who's taken did not receive Christ as Messiah during the tribulation and will be judged accordingly, but the one that's left will enter the millennial reign on earth with Christ Jesus. Friend, it is so important that we read the Bible in context, and especially this Olivet Discourse, which is Jesus' words to the nation of Israel. Friend, this narrative by Christ does not concern us, the church, because we'll be long gone in the rapture. You've been listening to Carl Joseph and the Lions Unchained podcast. Carl is a minister who has witnessed God's miraculous power to save, heal, and deliver. Carl covers topics such as geopolitics, current affairs, cults, societal trends, and end-time events, all through a biblical lens. Every Monday, new podcasts are uploaded, so stay tuned for the next opportunity to roar into victory. Check out carljosephministries.com for exciting articles, teachings, and discussion points. See you next week, and don't forget to hit the subscribe button.